Tonight, we're wrapping up a short series on influence, on this idea of influence um, that we've been talking about the last couple weeks, what it means to be uh, a person of influence, how God wants to use you as a person of influence, uh, how we influence others, all these other kind of ideas. Um, and those of you guys that have your Bibles, we're in Jeremiah tonight, uh, Jeremiah chapter 17. If you don't have your Bibles, the words will be on the screen back there, or your neighbor might let you read off of their Bible, or Bible app, or something like that. Um, yeah, so, so we're ta- talking some more about influence. Before we jump into that, before we get into the text or anything like that, though, I wanted to talk to you about, I want to talk to you about your brain. Nice. Right? I want to talk to you about, tell me something. It's a Halloween story. I want to talk to you about your, your brain, okay? Um... So as you think for a minute, think for a minute about your brain. Think about what's between between your ears, behind your eyes and nose, uh, your brain and your skull and how it works and how it does things. Your beautiful, amazing, super smart brain. Um, I want to tell you something about, about your brain. Your brain is lazy. Your brain is lazy. Now, your brain is miraculous and smart. Like, like it's a literal miracle. All the crazy things your brain can do. It is so, so amazing. Uh... The track with me, your brain can also be kind of lazy sometimes too. Like, and there's a good reason for it. Uh, your, you know, your your brain is and biochemically it's going to want to uh, conserve energy. It's going to want to be as efficient as possible, right? So it's not trying to waste any time. Like, what's the shortcut I can take to get this done quicker, more efficiently, right? Uh, I'm not trying to do more work than I need to do, right? Like, that's how you feel. Your brain is no different. Your brain's like, I'm not trying to do more work than I need to do, right? So, so our, our brains are, are, are really smart, and they're efficient, uh, and sometimes it can be a little lazy because they're like, I'm not trying to do extra work, right? Is anyone in here trying to do extra work? No. <laughs> uh, your brain's not trying to do extra work either. So what does this look like, though, when it comes to uh, conversation, when it comes to learning, uh, when it comes to development, all these kind of things? Here, here's what your brain does. When your brain's listening uh, to information, like it's doing right now, uh, when your brain's listening to information, it begins to hear information, uh, it starts to evaluate that uh, based on what it already knows. It says, okay, okay, let's see. And if it finds, I think I kind of already know about this. What does your brain do? Tunes it out. I already know about this, right? If you've got a professor, right, they're, they're teaching a topic, and they start to launch into a topic, and you think, yeah, I kind of already am pretty educated about this. Your brain just kind of goes somewhere else, right? Um, and you just tune them out. You're in a conversation with somebody, and they start telling you something. Uh, and you're trying to be real good and pay attention. Uh, they start telling you about something like that you kind of already know about. Like, you're not trying to be a bad friend, but it's your brain kind of starts to tune it out. Your brain's like, I'm not going to, I'm maybe paying a little attention, but I, you don't have 100% of me right now, uh, you know, because you're giving me stuff. I already know that, right? And we may not actively be like, I already know that. You want to change the channel. Right? But, but our brains will do that. They'll disconnect a little bit when we're, we're hearing stuff that we feel like, man, I already know. Now, the opposite is also true. When your brain hears new information, surprising information, what does your brain do? Say, what now? What? I, I need to check the logs. I don't, I don't have anything quite like that. And so first, your brain is incredulous. Like, like that, that can't be right. You know, that's, that must not be true. Uh, you know, something's wrong with that. But then, then as it starts to kind of piece it together, it's like, okay, that could work, but this is new information. But it, it pays attention, right? It doesn't tune it out. It, it doesn't disengage. Like when your brain's getting new information or your brain likes to be surprised, I mean, all of a sudden you got my attention, right? You surprise me. I'm like, well, I want to see what happens next, right? I 
want to know what goes on next. I want to add this information uh, to my library, right? Uh, if I feel like I already know it, then I'm going to tune out, right? I'm going to disconnect. If it's new information, if you're surprising me, my brain's like, all right, I'm here for this. Yeah, well, what's going on? Um, <laughs> why do I bring that up? Uh, so last two weeks we've been talking about what it means to be a person of influence, right? What well, talks about being a person of influence and, and particularly what it looks like not to just blend into the culture, right? Uh, we use that illustration of the, the thermostat and the thermometer uh, on week one. Uh, we talked about being a thermostat and that changes, uh, changes the room you're in rather than a, a thermometer that just reflects the room you're in, right? Uh, and, and so if you're going to be man, a person of influence, a person that's been changing the lives of the people around you, uh, and you're just kind of blending into the scenery, you're just kind of parroting whatever the culture talks about, the people around you, they're just going to hear in that echo chamber of stuff, I already know about that, you're not going to influence anybody. And the, the only way that you're going to make real change and real influence is if you're saying something different than the culture, where they've got to be like, what was that again? That doesn't sound right. That doesn't fit into like the schematic I have in my brain for, for how the world should work. Are you sure? And at first they're going to be like, I don't think that can't be true, right? Um, but, but you have their attention, and they're going to listen. Um, and so that's what we're going to look at tonight, right? Uh, we're going to wrap up our short series on influence. We're in the Old Testament book of Jeremiah. Uh, and we'll refresh on Jeremiah because there's some new, new faces here tonight. Jeremiah was an Old Testament prophet. Uh, he was a prophet to the people of Judah and ancient Israel. God called uh, Jeremiah to be a prophet to these people, to call them away from their sins, to say, hey, uh, and God sees your sin. Uh, it grieves his heart. You need to turn away from your sin, turn away from your idolatry, and return to the Lord. If you do that, God, God will love you, God will bless you. Uh, but if you continue in your sin, you continue in your idolatry, uh, there's going to be judgment and destruction and consequences. And that was Jeremiah's message to the people. People didn't like that message, but man, that was Jeremiah's message to give. Um, in the first few weeks of this message, we've looked at some of these middle chapters of Jeremiah and talked about how God used Jeremiah, but also how God wants to use you prophetically to reach the people around you. God wants to use you to reach your culture, to reach your sphere of influence. God wants to make you a person of influence, man. You can speak God's truth, uh, man, and change the hearts, change the lives of the people around you. Friends, classmates, coworkers, family members, uh, the place that, get, you know, people in the places that God's put in your circle of influence, um, and God wants to use you to change them. The first week we talked about uh, there in Jeremiah 15, that the way we influence others is by focusing on the Lord and speaking His words, you know, being that thermostat uh, rather than the thermometer, not allowing the culture to influence us, but instead we influence those that are around us. We're the ones that, that do the influencing instead of letting them influence us. Uh, last week we learned that we influence others by recognizing that their greatest need is a relationship with God and letting that be the passion that drives us, Right? Uh, not, not just motivated by, you know, some kind of half-hearted desire. I just want to make a difference, right? But we've got to be about motivated by the same thing that God's motivated by, right? We've got to have his same heart, his same passion for the people around us, for the lost. Uh, and it's so important that we get that. Um, having God's heart for the people, uh, having God's heart for your neighbor, having God's heart for your family, your friends, has got to be our motivation. If we want to be a person of real influence, if we want to change the culture, if we want to change the world, it won't be because we're motivated by a half-hearted desire just to make a difference. It will be because we have the same heart, the same passion that drove God to send His Son Jesus to the cross. That we see that the world is lost and far from God, and we decide that we are not content to leave it that way. 
right? That's the kind of passion that's going to make you a person of influence, right? That's the kind of passion that's going to be contagious to the people around you, uh, that's going to rub off on people around you, um, that's going to motivate you to man, live in such a way that, that changes lives, right? That if you've got the same passion that God has, the same passion that, you know, where God says, I'm not content to leave these people far from me, and I'm going to send my son to die for them, right? And that same passion that sent Jesus to the cross because of God's great love for you, we've got to get that same heart. And let that be the passion that drives us. That's what we talked about last week. So tonight we're going to wrap up uh, the series with one other key to being a person of influence, and it's this. We influence others by presenting a message that is radically countercultural because it is grounded in God's truth. We're talking about, man, your brain pays attention when it gets new information, something different. That if it thinks it already knows it, right, it just tunes that out. Um, and that you're going to be a person of influence, you're going to get the attention of others when you present a message that's radically different uh, than what they know. And not different, like, just to be different, right? Not contrary, just to be contrary. You guys have those friends, you guys know those people, uh, you know, they, they just want to say the opposite of whatever. Like, you say this guy's blue, they say it's green, and, and whatever. Not, not being contrary, just to be contrary, uh, but, but because you're presenting the truth of Scripture, and it's so radically different from the way that world, the world does things, that people are like, Say, what now? What? And their brain's like, I gotta pay attention to that. What's going on there? For so many issues, the message of Scripture is completely opposite the prevailing wisdom of the culture, the things this world accepts as true. God's truth is gonna catch us by surprise. It blows our minds because it's just so different from how we assume the world works, right? And we, we assume the world works one way, and then and as we're reading Scripture, we come across something and it, it blows our minds. And that's so different. But as I sit on it, as I meditate, as I, as I think on it, this is more true, right? The, 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 what I believe about the world, man, is, is not true. Uh, man, what, what the culture culture has been selling me is it, not true. Uh, and, and, and what God's teaching me is true. The God that created me, man, man, knows how that I should live this life, right? He's got a better plan for me uh, than what a culture has to offer me that only cares about power and money and, and sex and popularity, all these kind of things. Um, the God that made you, that has a plan for your life, has better for you than all of that. Uh, and as you begin to read Scripture, you realize, man, this message is so different from what the world offers. It's different because it's better, right? And if the people around you can get a hold of that, man, it's going to change their lives. So if we get a hold of it, it brings life and light, and it draws us closer to God. This is what God says in Isaiah 55, verse 8. Isaiah 55, uh, verse 8. It says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. Verse 9, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. I'm going to put our brain back here. God says, man, my ways aren't your ways. My thoughts aren't your thoughts, right? Uh, my thoughts are so much above what your thoughts are, Right? Uh, so when, when, you, when you're reading, the, reading God's scripture, reading God's word, and you're coming across man, the ideas of God, it's going to be revolutionary. It's going to be radical. It's going to be different because God's ways are so much higher than ours. God's thoughts are so much higher than ours. And so, some of these thoughts are thoughts, man, we can't even begin to wrap our brains around. Like, they don't make sense to us. We don't understand. We trust that they're true. We trust that, man, man God knows what's best because he has a perspective that we don't have, Right? As the creator of everything, standing outside of time uh, and, and creation, um, and he has a perspective we don't have. He sees the big picture in a way we can't even imagine, right? And so, so when we see his plans, sometimes they don't make sense, 
But we know that they're good, and we know that they're right, because God is good and right and just. Uh, his ways are higher than our ways. His ways are better than our ways. When we come across something in Scripture and says, man, that is radically different than the way I've been living, um, and we need to change to conform to Scripture, knowing that that's the better way, that's the higher way. Um, but when we present the truth of Scripture, we've got to know uh, it's going to be radically different for people, right? It's going to be countercultural. It's going to be opposite in a lot of ways, man, what, they, what they've been brought up to think, what the culture's kind of taught them to think, uh, how they view the world. If we communicate the truth of God's word to the people around us, it's going to be shocking and surprising because it'll be so different than man's thoughts. And that's how you influence around you. They'll tune out a message that sounds like what they already know. Uh, they're going to tune that out. You're, you're going to lose their attention. Uh, they're going to think, oh, this guy's just like everybody else. This girl's just like everybody else. Uh, they're going to tune that out. But the truth of God's word is so radically different that it can't be ignored. It can't be ignored. That doesn't mean they're going to like it. That doesn't mean they're going to always respond positively. You know, sometimes maybe share, share the truth of Scripture uh, and people aren't trying to hear that. They weren't trying to hear it from Jeremiah, right? They're like, man, we're sick of this guy. Let's get rid of this guy. Let's throw him in a pit. Uh, man, let's try to have him killed. Whatever we can do, right? Um, and no, nowhere in Scripture were the prophets treated nicely, right? I mean, we see, we see them despised. We treat, see them treated badly. Uh, I mean, on often did God send in his own son, Jesus, who was also treated badly and arrested and publicly executed, right? I and mean, when you speak God's truth, people aren't always going to want to hear it, right? They still need to hear it, right? And there's going to be some that may accept it uh, with joy. You're going to see their lives change. They're going to accept it with faith. Uh, and there's going to be some that, that, that may reject it. But if you want to be a world changer, you want to be a person of influence, you want to be a person that really makes a difference, You've got to be, be the person that speaks God's truth, right? That presents that message, even if it's opposite, man, what everyone else expects to be true. So like I said, we're going to be picking up in Jeremiah chapter 17. And for our purposes tonight, we're going to focus on three major truths from God's word that are opposite of the accepted truths of this culture. Truths that we ourselves need to live by, uh, and also truths that are going to influence uh, other people around us towards God. And so the first one is this. The first one is this. The culture says, trust yourself. Right? This is the message of the culture. And we're going to contrast that with the message of Scripture. The culture says you've got to trust yourself. But what does God's Word say? A common trope in, in modern fiction is that uh, when you see the hero of the story, the protagonist, the main character of the story, he finds out uh, that what they really needed was inside of them the whole time. Right? You guys know stories like this? You've seen movies like this or books like this? Uh, the, 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 and the character goes on this huge journey, the hero's journey, and they find out what they really needed. Man, it was inside them the whole time, right? They, they, they just need to look within, right? That they were enough, that if they just dig down deep and believe in themselves. Uh, and you see this idea everywhere in the culture as well. The idea that we just need to look within, and then you're going to find what you're looking for, right? It's inside you. Just look within. Uh, look in your heart. Um, the idea that we're perfect just the way we are. And don't change anything. You're perfect just the way you are. Uh, and that we should just trust in ourselves, believe in ourselves, and then you're going to succeed. Right? You're having trouble succeeding? Well, you just got to believe in yourself. Right? Because it's in you. You've got everything you need already in you. Just trust yourself. Just believe in yourself, and you're going to do it. You're going to win. Just trust yourself. Trust yourself. That's the message of the culture is just trust yourself. Believe in yourself, and you're going to make it. You're going to be okay. You're going to win. What you needed was inside of you the whole time. What does Scripture say? 
Jeremiah chapter 17. We're going to be picking up in verse 5. The culture says, trust yourself. Verse 5. This is what the Lord says. Cursed are those who put their trust in mere humans, who rely on human strength and turn their hearts away from the Lord. The culture says, hey, just trust yourself. God says, cursed are those that trust themselves. Cursed are those that trust in human strength and turn their hearts away from the Lord. So basically, trusting themselves instead of trusting God. Verse 6, he goes on. They are like stunted shrubs in the desert with no hope for the future. They will live in a barren wilderness in an uninhabited, salty land. So picture a dried up shrub in the desert. It says, man, a person who's just trusting themselves, that's relying on their own strength, human strength, trusting in humans, uh, is going to be like that dried up shrub. But then he says in verse 7, But blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. They are like trees planted along the riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. So I mean, if you, if you just trust in humans, and that's the prevailing idea of the culture is just trust in yourself, believe in yourself, and you're going to win. God says, no, the people that trust in themselves, because they're cut off from me, the, the source of all life and strength and hope, they're going to be like a, a shriveled up shrub, just dying in the desert. He says, those that trust in the Lord are going to be like that tree that's planted by the river, so the roots grow down uh, and, and soak up the water from the river, that, man, they're, they're healthy year-round. Their leaves are bright and healthy and green. They're bearing tons of fruit. So the person that trusts in me is going to be like that, right? The culture says, trust yourself. God says, you need to trust in me. And when you do, then your life's going to be blessed. Then your life's going to be full. Drop down to verse 13. Jeremiah says, O Lord, the hope of Israel, all who turn away from you will be disgraced. They'll be buried in the dust of the earth, for they've abandoned the Lord, the fountain of living water. There's that living water illustration that we talked about last semester. So, man, those that trust themselves instead of trusting you, um, they're going to be disgraced. They've got no hope because they've abandoned the fountain of living water. God says, I'm the fountain of living water. I'm the one that human beings need to come to to drink from and be satisfied. I'm the only one that can satisfy in the deep spiritual needs of your heart. Um, I'm the only one that can, can save you, redeem you, clean you. Uh, and there's so much that only God can do for us. And we, when we trust in ourselves, we trust in human beings, uh, we're ignoring this fountain of living water uh, that God wants us to come to and drink deeply and be satisfied. Uh, but cut off from that, and our lives are going to be miserable. Right? The culture says, trust in yourself, you're going to win, you're going to succeed. God says, man, if you just trust in yourself, you're going to be absolutely miserable because you're denying yourself from the ultimate source of satisfaction, that fountain of living water. That God says, you can come to and drink from any time, and I'm going to satisfy those deep needs of your soul, those deep needs you have to be loved, to be accepted, the deep needs you have for peace, for joy. And God wants to give you that freely and generously, but you've got to come to Him and drink. And He says, when you trust in yourself... It's like you're ignoring that fountain and saying, I can do it on my own. Man, you're going to be miserable. You're going to be miserable. Um, so the culture says, trust yourself. God says, trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. Um, and the only way that you're going to win, the only way that you're going to uh, succeed in life is trusting in the Lord. Right? The only hope you have uh, made, made for eternal life and full and abundant life is trusting in the Lord, trusting in Jesus. The culture says, trust yourself. 
God says, trust in the Lord. That's the first one. The second one. The culture says, trust your feelings. Trust your feelings, right? What does God's word say, right? The culture says, man, just trust your feelings. What does your heart tell you? Just trust your heart, right? Just follow your heart. You guys heard that before? Like a zillion, trillion times? Just follow your heart. When trying to make a decision, you've got a well-meaning friend that says, what does your heart tell you to do, right? Just follow your heart. Right? You're trying to figure out, should I do this or do that? And, and, and some well-meaning, somebody comes along, just follow your heart. Like your heart knows, right? Um, just follow your heart. Just trust your feelings, right? Again, something we see so much in the culture that we're just, we're just so saturated with it that it's just kind of taken for granted. This whole idea of, yeah, I just need to, to trust my feelings. My feelings know what's right. End of the day, right? My emotions are always consistent and true, like a compass pointing me in the right direction, right? Can I, can I trust my feelings? Y'all's feelings, if you, if you feel like you can trust them, must be a whole lot more consistent than mine are. Um, but the culture says that, man. How, how many times in the culture do you hear, just follow your heart? And just trust your heart. Let your heart be your God. What, is, what does the Bible say? What does God say? Jeremiah 17, uh, go back to verse 9. Jeremiah 17, 9. The culture says, trust your feelings, trust your heart. God says this in verse 9. The human heart is deceitful above all things. And desperately sick, who can understand it? Right? Your heart is deceitful above all things. Who can understand it? Who can know it? It is desperately sick. This is what God has to say about your heart. This is what God has to say about your feelings, your emotions. They cannot be your guide because they are desperately sick. Um, They cannot be your guide because they are deceitful. What does that mean? Your emotions lie to you. Right? And you guys have all experienced this. Your emotions lie to you. They're like, everything should be fine, but you just woke up on the side of the bed where your emotions are like, I am in the sourest of moods ever. Like, I am so, so grumpy. And it's just your emotions. Like, there's no, there's no reason for it. Just your, your feelings, your heart, and it's lying to you. Like, the, the truth of God's word, man, the truth of, of and if you can see things the way God does, it's your life. It's crazy blessed. Right? Man, man you live... Uh, in, in, in a country, in a part of the world, and you've got a, a bed to sleep in, good food to eat, clean water to drink, clothes to wear. Like, compared to 99% of the world, man, we live in the lap of luxury. And even if we, we don't feel like we have as much money as we'd like to have, man, we are totally blessed, right? we got friends and family members that love us. We know God. And we've been saved. Like, if we had the right perspective, it's like, I'm crazy blessed, man. I should be doing a dance down the street. I'm so full of joy. But we wake up in our emotions... And our heart's deceitful, it'll lie to us and say, nah, things, things aren't that good. Things aren't that good. We get grumpy, we get mad, we bite our friends' heads off, right? And, and, and just we're short with people uh, because our, our emotions are just telling us that day we're, we're grump, right? Our emotions are telling us that day we're sad. And don't get out of bed. Life's not worth it. Don't get out. Just stay in that bed. Just roll over. Pull the covers over your head. Just be down in the dumps. Just be sad. Just things are pretty terrible, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, they're terrible. And, and just, just be sad and just be down and don't let anybody cheer you up. Right? That's your heart, right? Deceitful. Deceitful. Your heart will lie to you. Your feelings will lie to you. The culture says just follow your heart. Just trust your feelings. And God says the human heart is deceitful. Like crazy deceitful. It'll lie to you. It's desperately sick. No one can understand it. Right? No one can understand. We don't understand our own emotions. We certainly don't understand our friends' emotions. Right? And when, you know, when, when our friends are having our, our down, there's no, no reason for it. Um, verse 10, God says, I, the Lord, search the heart 
and test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. Says, man, your heart is going to lie to you, right? It's because, man, man, man our heart, uh, certainly there's biochemical reactions going on in there. Uh, there there's random desires that, that don't make sense, but then there's also a spiritual component of, of, of just selfishness there. Um, and, and we don't have God's perspective on things. There, there, there's selfishness, there's pride, there's other, other, other sinful desires that get caught up in there and warp and twist our emotions. And, and so, so we can't really even know our own heart. We can't know our own uh, emotions. But God says, I'm the one that searches the heart. I'm the one that really knows the heart, that can test the mind. I'm the one that can see you, the real you, and understand you. Um, so it's like trusting your heart, trusting your emotions. Uh, again, again, we've got to trust the Lord because our emotions will deceive us. Life can be frustrating when we're led by our impulses and emotions. Why? Because they're going to lead us all over the place. Because often our, our emotions and our impulses are contradictory, right? I mean, the things we desire, they, they don't even align with themselves, right? They're contradictory. One moment I want this, and, and the next moment I want that, and then I'm back to this over here, and then I want the other thing, right? And so if I'm just following my heart, I'm all over the place, right? I'm all over the map. I'm a mess. Um, and life can be frustrating when we're just following this impulse and that impulse and just living by the seat of our pants and, well, now my emotions want to go this way. Now my heart wants to go this way. It's exhausting uh, and it's frustrating and you won't find satisfaction in it because we're going to be all over the place. We need to allow ourselves to be led by God and be led by His wisdom or else we'll be deceived by our own desires and led toward things that are contradictory and even destructive. You know, where your heart's going to lead you is, is, to, is just to follow your own impulses, follow your own sinful desires, right into lifestyles and behaviors that are going to harm you, going to be destructive, going to be negative consequences on your life. If instead you're led by the Holy Spirit, you're led by God, you're led by His truth, uh, then, then your life's going to be blessed. Then your life's going to be better. So the culture says, trust your feelings. God says, your emotions will deceive you. Right? Your emotions will deceive you. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can know it? Jeremiah 17, 9. That might be a good verse for some of y'all to memorize, right? Uh, some of y'all that, like, your emotions just, like, mess with you, and they wreak havoc with you, and, like, they're all over the place. Uh, some of you need to say, just kind of commit that to memory, that my heart is deceitful and desperately sick. I need Jesus, right? And, and those moments where my, my heart is just not doing right, and my emotions are they're not doing right, I need to say, God, can you give me your perspective on things? Because I'm not seeing things right. My emotions are, are fogging things up, uh, and I don't want to be led by that. I don't want to be led by those impulses. I don't want to be led by whatever feeling my heart's deciding to feel today. I want to be led by your Holy Spirit. I want to be led by your word and your truth. I want that to be the guiding compass for my life, and not my fickle emotions that are going to change like every hour on the hour, right? The culture says trust your feelings. God says your emotions will deceive you. Instead, we need to trust the Lord. That was number two. The last one we're going to look at tonight, number three. The culture says we write our own story. We write our own story. Or we create ourselves. We make our own path. We choose our own fate and destiny. The life is what you make of it, right? Culture says, go write your own story. Go make your life an adventure. And you're the main character. And you're the hero, right? Go, go write your own story. Create yourself. Make yourself who you want to be. In Jeremiah 18, uh, God, God gives Jeremiah a really, really interesting illustration. Jeremiah chapter 18. We're going to start in verse 1. 
So the Lord gave another message to Jeremiah. He said, go down to the potter's shop and I will speak to you there. So I did as he told me and I found a potter at his wheel. You guys ever, ever seen someone making, making pottery on a wheel? Um, like you can just get clay and like make it with your hands, but also they have like a potter's wheel and the wheel spins and like as you, as you shake it, like you put your thumb down and then it becomes like a bowl and as you shake it warm it becomes a, a base or like if you're, you know, whatever else. Um, and, and so he says he sees this potter's wheel. God's led him to this potter because he wants to teach him something. Um, verse 3, so I did as he told me and I found the potter working at his wheel, but the jar he was making did not turn out as he hoped. So he crushed it into a lump of clay and started over. So that potter's wheel, man, it moves fast, right? And so, like, you can do amazing things with it, but it's also easy to make a mistake. Like, like you kind of twist it wrong one way, and all of a sudden, it's jacked. you got to start over. But it's just clay, so you just mush it back into a ball and start over. No problem. This is what Jeremiah is observing. This is what God's led him to observe. Uh, he crushed it into a lump of clay, and he started over. Verse 5. Then the Lord gave me this message. O Israel, can I not do to you as this potter has done to the clay? As the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand. If I announce that a certain nation or kingdom is to be uprooted, torn down, and destroyed, but then a nation renounces its evil ways, I will not destroy it as I plan. And if I announce that I'll plant and build up a certain nation or kingdom, but then that nation turns to evil and refuses to obey me, I will not bless it. As I said, I would. And so, so Jeremiah, God's led Jeremiah to this potter's house because he wants him to learn something uh, from this potter who's, who's working there with the clay. Uh, and and he, wants, he, want, he wants him to understand that it's not, we don't write our own stories. As individuals or as nations, um, and it, it, it's not, we, don't, we don't make ourselves. Uh, God says, I'm the potter and you're the clay. Uh, and can I not do with you as this potter is done with the clay? Right? Shape you and mold you into who I want you to be. And you're a mess. Let's lump together and start over. Right? God says, this is what I do with you. We don't, we don't make ourselves any more than a lump of clay makes itself a pot. Right? Y'all ever seen a lump of clay just make itself a beautiful face? No. God says, you don't make your life either. Right? You don't make your own destiny, your own fate either. I'm the potter and you're, you're the clay. Right? And so you become who you're going to be in the hand of God. Either you submit to God's will and let him shape you and mold you into something amazing, right? Into an amazing man or woman of God as he sees fit, as he brings your giftings out, as he, as he shows you how the way he's made you can be a blessing uh, to the people around you in this world. And he's, he's going to shape and mold you by submitting to his will or if you go contrary to his will. And he says if you turn to evil and you do wrong, and it's still going to be God that shapes you, but it's, it's not going to be as good, right? Uh, he's going to say, man, I can't do anything with this. It's going to need to be mashed up and remolded, and, and you're going to go through negative consequences and tough times, because, and hopefully it'll be, be a wake-up call, like, oh, this is not pleasant at all, and I need to wake up and get my life right. I need to wake up and submit to God so he can shape and mold me into what he wants me to be, and if I keep rejecting him, I keep turning to sin, and keep turning to evil, there's going to be, man, those... There's going to be those tough times as we come up and I mean, hit the wall of consequences for our sin. Uh, and, and God wants to use that as a wake-up call to draw us back to him again. And to, to, to mash us in into lumps. Hey, let's start over. Let's start over. Um, and, and, and the good news of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, is that we always can start over. Right? 
we're never going to get so far gone. We're never going to become such an ugly pot that God's like, I can do nothing with you. Just, just get on out, right? Um, that's not what he says. He says, well, he, he lumps it up and he starts over, right? There's not a person in this room or a person that's ever lived that is so far gone and the guy can't start over with them and make something beautiful out of them. Right? There's not a person. There's no person who sins so much that God's like, I can't. I can't do it with you. You're blowing it too big. Now, we think that, right? Our hearts tell us that, right? The, the heart that deceives us says, you've blown it too much. Like everyone else, everyone else God can use, God can't use you though because you are a total screw up and a failure, right? If his heart told him that, you don't have to raise your hands because I know it's like anybody. Um, that's what our heart tells us. Man, you, you've blown it too much. God can't use you. Like God can use Brandon, but he can't use you, right? I mean, God can use Mark, but he can't use you. He can't get, and, and so, and we believe that lie. Uh, and, but the truth of Scripture is, is man, God can use anybody, and He can shape and mold you into who He wants you to be. Uh, and that there's a fresh start for every single one of us. And man, it doesn't matter if we're just like the, the most messed up looking pot like that's ever been made, and God can put us on that potter's wheel, lump us back together, and we get that fresh start. How do we have a fresh start? We have a fresh start in Jesus. Right? The Bible tells us when we put our trust in Jesus, when we put our trust in Jesus, in 2 Corinthians 5, it says that for those of us that are in Christ are a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. We're a brand new person. We put our trust in Jesus and say, Jesus, uh, please forgive me of my sins because of what you did on the cross where you took the punishment that I deserve for my sins. God, would you please forgive me? Would you cleanse me? And would you give me that fresh start? And he does. He does. He, he forgives you. He cleanses you. makes your heart like it's never sinned. makes you brand new. He adopts you into the family of God. Uh, gives you eternal life. When this life on earth is over, you spend forever in heaven with Him. Uh, he adopts you as a son, as a daughter, and He gives you a fresh start, a clean slate. It doesn't matter what you've done. When He looks at you, He doesn't see all those mistakes you've made. Right? When He looks at you, He doesn't see all the long list of failures. And guys, my, my long list of failures is longer than anybody <coughs> in this room. I guarantee it. When God looks at me, He doesn't see that. He sees me through in that shed blood of Jesus, and He sees me clean. And perfect. And he sees what he's shaping and molding me to be. Right? He sees the, the man of God, the, the woman of God that he's crafting and molding you to be. Right? He sees what you're going to be in the end. He sees what we don't see. Right? That all, all the tough stuff we go through, it's not, it's not always fun to get shaped and molded. Right? These tough things we go through as God is shaping us, man, he sees the end result we're going to be. We don't see that. We just see, man, this is a really tough time to go through. Right? And it's not until the other side that maybe we can see some of the good that God did in us, growing our character and stretching us. Um, but he sees what you're going to be. He sees the end result, and he knows that it's worth it. And he's patient with us, right? When we blow it, he says, that's okay. I'll start over again. I'll start over again. Uh, the, 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 when we sin, when we trip up, when we fail, we need only to confess it to God. 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. That's that fresh start. If you've blown it, Five times, ten times, ten thousand times, it's still the same. Thank God, I'm sorry. God, please forgive me. And he does. And you're made clean. And hey, let's start over. Fresh start. Let's make you into something amazing, right? God's the potter or the clay. Our culture, though, teaches us and that we got to better ourselves. we got to focus on self-improvement, on self-help. And disciplining our lives and improving ourselves is not a bad thing. Like, it's a good thing to improve yourself, to discipline yourself. We must realize that it's only God that can truly make us the person He created us. We're not just going to make ourselves into that person. 
We cannot, through self-help, deal with our own sin. Our own pride and selfishness and self-deception. We need God to help with that. We cannot, in our own strength, manufacture the kind of spiritual fruits, uh, the kind of spiritual giftings that only God's Holy Spirit in us can produce. Or we can't just try real hard and produce the fruit of the Holy Spirit, right? We can't just try real, real hard at self-improvement and, and, and release the giftings of the Holy Spirit in our life. We need God to do that. God says, I'm the one who shapes and molds you into who I want you to be. And you know what? That is incredibly free to know that it's God that shapes our life. It's free. Because that means the responsibility is, is not on us. It's not up to us to ensure that we become who God wants us to be. Right? That would be a lot of pressure if it was all on us. A lot of pressure, uh, like, I don't know that I'm going to achieve, God, all that you want me to achieve. If it's just on me, right? He said it's not on you. I'm the potty, you're the clay. I'm going to make you who I want you to be. That's freeing. That's liberating. Um, because it means that it's not on us to ensure that we become who God wants us to be. As we trust Him, He is the one that's doing the work. This is the last verse I want to look at tonight. Um, along these lines. It's Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. Philippians 1, 6. Paul writes, And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. And the, the potter's working with you. He's shaping and molding you. And you can look at yourself and say, Man, I don't like the way I look. I'm so far from what I feel like I need to be. This is the promise of Scripture. That the work that God's began in you, He's going to see through to completion. You're going to get there. You're going to become the person He wants you to be. As you yield your life to Him, as you submit your life to Him, uh, the work that God began in you, He's going to see through to completion. He didn't just get you started and then, no, they're not worth the trouble, right? God doesn't do that, right? He, he doesn't get you like halfway made um, and, and, and then discard you. And if He's begun to work in you, <laughs> and then for all of you that put your trust in Jesus, been saved, fallen after Jesus, He's been kind of working. He's going to see that work through complete, to completion. He's going to make sure you become that mighty man of God, that mighty woman of God that He wants you to be. He's going to get you there. So you yield your life to Him, and He's going to get you there. He's going to mold you to that person. So the culture says we create ourselves. We write our own story. But God says, I am the potter that shapes your life. Right? The burden's not on you to, to, to become and achieve, right? God says, I'm the potter, you're the clay. Just yield to me, just submit yourself to me, and come to God in prayer, say, okay, God, I'm, I'm not lump of clay, I'm going to get up on that wheel, just do what you want, do what you want, make me who you want me to be. Uh, I'm, I'm going to yield to you, I'm going to obey you, um, but, but the weight's not on me uh, to, to, to achieve, to somehow become become this person. And we couldn't, we couldn't handle that, we couldn't do that if we wanted to, but it's God that's going to shape uh, and mold us who He wants us to be as we yield to Him. The culture says we write our own story, we create ourselves, but God says, I'm the potter who shapes your life. So what does this look like for us? You know, we, looked at, we looked at three truths um, that man had a common theme there uh, of trust the Lord. Right? The, culture says, uh, the culture says that we just need to trust in ourselves, believe in ourselves. The culture says, man, just trust your feelings. But the Lord says, no, you need to trust in me. Right? Don't trust in yourself. Don't trust your feelings. Um, you're not the master of your own destiny. You don't write your own story. I'm writing your story. Right? God, God is the author and the finisher of our faith. Right? He is writing a story, an amazing story uh, for your life that he's weaving into the greater narrative of his love for this world, what he's done through Jesus Christ and continues to do, uh, redeeming this world. 
to himself, and he's weaving your story into that huge, majestic epic, right? Uh, and he said, man, as you trust in me, and as you yield yourself to me, uh, I'm going to make you what I want you to be. Um, as we think about, man, we're tying this all together with this idea of being a person of influence, right? And these ideas are radically different than what the culture believes, right? That all these things that I mentioned, and the culture says this, and you know that it's true. You've heard these things, you've seen these things in every movie, you've listened to them in every song, you've heard your, your friends say them, you've probably said them at some point. I know I have, right? Because it's just so just in us, right? In our worldview. As we get a hold of Scripture, we're going to say that God's worldview is so radically different, right? So first it's going to start with us internalizing those truths, right? God, show me where that I'm, I'm trusting man instead of trusting in you, Lord. Show me where I'm trusting my own feelings and my own emotions, uh, instead of trusting in you, Lord, and being aware that my emotions are going to deceive me. Uh, show me, God, where uh, I'm trying to put too much emphasis on my own ability uh, to, to, to succeed or, or, or to, to shake my own fate or whatever, and not just yielding myself to you and trusting, God, that you're sovereign, you're in control, you're going to make me who you want me to be, you're going to guide and direct me. Show me where I need to submit to you more. So first it's going to start by internalizing those kind of truths. And then as far as being an influence, it's going to be looking at friends, family members uh, that, that are far from God and, and saying, God, where, where can I speak counter-cultural truths into their life, right? What are lies of the culture that they bought into, but by and center? And not in a judgmental way, because we all do that. Man, we all believe lies that the culture sells us, that the enemy deceives us with. Um, but, but God, by your Holy Spirit, would you show us, man, where, where, where my friends have been deceived and where I can speak your truth into their lives, right? Show, show me where my family members, my classmates, and have been lied to by the culture, and show me your truth that I can speak into their life. And when they hear that truth, it's going to be so different that they're going to be like, what now? Right? Their brains are going to be surprised. Like, I'm not sure about that. Like, that, that's really new. That's really different. Um, and it's not up to you, man, to make that message connect. The Holy Spirit's going to work on their heart, open up their hearts to it, and you just be obedient to deliver it. Say, hey, this is, this, this is what I read in the Scripture. This is what I read in the Bible this morning. I just want to share it with you. What do you think about this, Right? And my Holy Spirit to work on their hearts. And the Holy Spirit's going to use you to influence them. Right? He's going to use you to make a difference. Um, you know, it's my prayer that each and every single one of you get to experience that. Leading someone into a closer relationship with God. And whether it's a, a, a young Christian or someone that's been a Christian a long time, um, but they're just, they're just far from God. They're not, they're not walking closer to Jesus. Uh, you get to encourage them into that deeper relationship with God that God has for them. Or maybe it's a person that's not a Christian at all, and you get the opportunity to share Jesus with them, share the gospel with them, and lead them to Christ. And, and see them start to follow Jesus, and you get to teach them, man, what it means to follow Jesus, what it means to be a Christian. All of every single one of you to experience that. Because every single one of you has friends that need it, right? Every single one of you has friends that are far from God that need Jesus. Um, and, and, and yeah, you want to pray for them, uh, but, but rather than just praying, God will send someone along and be that person, right? Be that person in their life. Be that person that can proclaim truth into their life, that can love them, that can share Jesus with them, and share the hope that you've found in Jesus. You don't know what to say, just start with that. Here's what God's done for me, right? Here's what my life was before, and then here's what Jesus has done for me. And just pray for the Holy Spirit to open up opportunities, open up those conversations, uh, so you can influence those around you and lead them closer to God. Amen? Amen. Let me pray over you. Uh, and some of you guys, as we looked at these different, different truths, some of you guys are like, I need God to do that for me before I can even begin to do that for some, you know, share that with somebody else. Uh, it needs to start at home. It needs to start here. Uh, God, I need to trust in you more, right? We're going we're gonna to pray for you for that. Uh, man, there may be somebody in this room that just never prayed to put their trust in Jesus like what we talked about and ask God to forgive them of their sins. I certainly want to pray for you. 
Uh, and lastly, we want to pray that God would make us the people of influence that he, that he wants us to be. Right? That we want to just kind of blend into the scenery of the culture, right? And be totally ignored and unnoticed. Uh, but we would be influencers, right? When we walk in the room, and the dynamic changes, right? Because uh, you're, you're a son, you're a daughter of God. And God wants to use you in a powerful way. Amen? Let's take a minute and pray. Uh, Father God, uh, thank you for your word. And God, thank you for your message. Guys, we looked at these middle chapters of Jeremiah. Um, God, I pray, Lord, that you would just uh, take these truths and embed them in our hearts, God. That you till up the soil of our hearts and make it good soil for the seed of your word. Um, God, you place this deep within us and, and just change the way we think about the world. Change the way we view things, God. We want to just buy into whatever the culture says things are like, God. But, but we'd be shaped by your truth, God. Our worldview would be shaped by your truth. God, we would have your perspective on things, God. God, when we believe the lie of the culture that we just need to trust ourselves and rely on ourselves and believe in ourselves, God. God, we're sorry. Instead, we want to trust in you. God, help us to trust you completely with our lives. God, when we, we believe the lie of the culture, we just need to trust our feelings and let our heart be our God. God, help us to realize that our heart deceives us. And God, we need to trust in you. We need to trust your word. And if our emotions are telling us something different, we need to pray and ask God if we can bring our emotions in line with your truth. And God, I just pray that you take the burden off of people's shoulders that feel like it's up to them to make their lives into something. And it's up to them to become the person that that it's going to make you proud, but help them to realize that we're just clay in the hands of God. And God, you're the one that's going to shape us and mold us into who you want us to be. God, help us to yield to you. God, would you do what you want with our lives? God, we just submit to you in humility. God, do what you please with each of our lives. Would you shape us to be the people you want us to be? God, make us useful for you.